Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Everybody good? It's good to be good to be in God's house. We say hello to those who are watching with us online for whatever reason. Maybe you couldn't be in the room with us today. We're excited that you're here as well. Grateful for the technology that allows us to worship together no matter where you might be. To those of you who are in the room, thank you for being here. Uh, My name's Matt. If we haven't yet had a chance to meet, uh, I get to be one of the pastors here. And if you're new here today, um, welcome to Vintage. Uh, We pray that you will find a home here if that's what you're looking for. Maybe you're just here with a friend worshiping with us for for just today. Either way, we're excited. And we love to get to know you. And if you're looking for a church home, I want to remind you that that is so much more than just showing up here on Sundays, that to be a part of the body of Christ is to do so much more than just sit in in, in this kind of gathering where you can be anonymous and unseen. And and we want you to find community and we want you to tap into the things that we try to offer to help us just be the church throughout the week. And and there's several things that are happening. Uh, Number one, I'm so grateful for our Serve the City team and for Jesse Green and that whole group. Can you just show them some love for the way that they mobilize us as a church because the church is, is, is something that happens when we get out there, not just what we do in here. And Serve the City is, uh, is this group that helps us develop partnerships with really cool people in our community that helps us ser- serve and love on people here. And one of those organizations in our community is Family Crisis Center. And they're an amazing organization here in our community that serves on and helps families in need all across our community. And today we launched an initiative that helps us come alongside them. So if you're in the room as you go out today, you're going to get a-, a tote bag. And that's not to help you when you go to Aldi. That is, uh, it has a list. (laughs) It has a list in it that we need some items to bring the bag and the items back to us. And they're items that just are needed at Family Crisis Center. We want to make sure that the church comes alongside them so that when they need to serve a family, we've helped equip them to do that well. And so help us do that. Um, you've got a couple weeks to bring those back. We really appreciate the way that you're going to respond to that, um, like you guys always do. And if you didn't catch it in pre-gathering, there's some other really cool things happening. If you're new to our church, um, this Tuesday night, we're doing something called Welcome to Vintage. And it, this, just come and meet some leaders. Uh, I'll be there, and some other, other leaders will be there. And maybe you've just been coming for a while, and you'd like to know a little bit more. It's not, it's not committing, committing to us or anything, but just, hey, I want to go get to know just a little bit more about, about this, this crazy place. Um, so make sure you hang out with us. And I also want to remind you, two weeks from today, we're going to baptize. And that's always a cool thing at Vintage. Come on, people, you know that. It's always really fun. Uh, but one of the things that we decided that we needed to do this year is leading up to baptism, we want to make sure that you fully understand what this means. And we feel the responsibility to do a better job at that. Because we just don't want people to go through this baptism and just get emotional for a day. We want you to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. And we want you to understand what baptism is. And so that Sunday before, next Sunday, the 5th, if you sign up for baptism, we're inviting you to come to a class and just let some of our leaders just explain like what this means, what it doesn't mean, what it's about, what it's supposed to be about, and just continue to make sure you feel when you go through those waters, you have a deep understanding of what you're doing. And I feel like we all feel like we just need to do a better job of that. And so, yeah, that's one one more step, but that's okay. And so make sure you take note of all those things that are happening and on top of community groups and all the other really cool things that are happening around our church outside of Sunday. But today, today we're in part four of a series that we're calling Promises. So if you would open up your Bibles and go to Hebrews 10, once again, we're going to be all over the scriptures today as I try to unpack what God has kind of put on my heart for us to share. This has been one of those series that it's like every year, this January series, it sets, it sets the tone for the year that we're going to walk into 
In the last several years, God has kind of called us to rally around a specific word. It started when we, we did a series through Courageous. That was one of the longest series that we've ever done. And last year, we leaned around forward. But this year, we're rallying around this word, promises. Because our God owes us nothing, but he's promised us many things. Amen. He is a God of promise. He is a God of promise. And this was all settling in my spirit as I came to a realization that we all have to to recognize that you will never consistently submit to a God you don't completely trust. You will never consistently submit to a God you don't completely trust. It's a trust issue that God in scripture wants us to do more than merely believe in him more than just have some measure of affection for him. He wants us to trust him. That when we move to that point of of trust is when everything in our lives begins to shift. When we say, okay, I'm going to do more than just have some measure of belief, believing that there is a God out there somewhere. Maybe he's distant, maybe he's not. Or some measure of affection for God. No, I'm talking about trusting God completely. That when you get to the point when you more than just have some affection for him, more than just have some measure of belief in him, now you make that decision in your spirit. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you completely. I'm going to trust you with everything that I have. I'm going to trust you with every portion of my life. I'm not going to trust you with with a piece. I'm going to trust you with all of it. I'm going to trust you with every single bit of who I am. That's when change happens in you. When you start to walk in obedient trust to God, saying, God, I'm going to trust your word, even when my feelings are in a different place. I'm going to trust your word, even when culture is going against the grain of it. I'm going to trust you. It's a trust issue that God is looking for people not to just follow him blindly, but trust him completely. Trust. But we recognize we all got trust issues. Three honest people in the room today. It's going to be a good day in church. Come on. We all have trust issues because we've had, we, our lives are littered with letdown. Our lives are full of broken promise. But I'll remind you, he's not like that. God is a God of promise. God keeps his word. God has never said he would do something and not done it. And if it didn't happen, he never said it would. And my entire goal in this series is to try to remind you or maybe to convince you that he can be trusted. He can be trusted. And the enemy that we have, he's not scared of people that just believe in God. He shudders at those who trust him completely. That from the garden until now, the enemy's not just trying to destroy belief. He's trying to erode trust. He's tried to convince Adam and Eve, "You, you can't trust him. You can't trust him. Yeah, he said, yeah, did he really say that? No, you can't trust him. And now he does the same thing with you. You can't trust him. How can you trust a God that would allow that? How can you trust a God? That's, it. That's his game. And I've tried to help us realize and see, you can trust him. God keeps his promises. And week two of this series is probably the most important message I've ever preached from any platform, talking about covenant. That God has not just made us a promise. He has offered us to live in a covenant relationship with him. And I hope that since that sermon till now, you never think of that word the same because it's not a word that we typically use. It's not a common word in our language. Even when it's thrown around, it's thrown around very flippantly. But God has offered us a covenant relationship with him. And there's so much beauty and benefit to living in that covenant relationship. When you fully understand covenant, it changes the way you read the word. Amen. 
when you understand, like when you start reading the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Testament, the New Covenant, and you start looking at Scripture through that covenantal lens, more of the beauty of this thing that we get to have with God comes out. And last week was not fun, but it was necessary. We have to recognize that there's a lot of people that the reason why they don't trust God is because they just can't make sense of suffering. That the, the, the very reality of suffering is, is difficult for us to reconcile. And for so many of us, the reason why we don't trust God is because we can't make sense of the suffering that we've experienced. And I try my best just to help us understand, you know, somebody who you can't trust is somebody that tries to hide things from you. Somebody that you shouldn't trust is somebody that keeps secrets from you, that, that doesn't tell you the whole truth. And our God has never once tried to hide the reality of hardships in the human experience from his people. From the onset, God has tried to help us understand that we would have to suffer, that the moment there was the presence of sin, it ushered in the reality of suffering. And God, in his promises, he didn't say that we would be immune, that this relationship doesn't make us immune to hardship. But we have to understand that that's the cool thing about our God is he is not indifferent to it or unable to identify with it. That our God is not indifferent or unable to identify with the hard things that we go through because our God decided to put flesh on himself, come to this earth, feel skin on his bones, dirt between his feet, blood run down his back, heartache in his spirit because of all that he experienced. And so when you pray, you pray to a God whose ears can hear what you're going through. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is. You can trust him. He can be trusted. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is, say it church, faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Well, if the last couple weeks have felt like a hug, this one's going to feel like a kick in the kneecap. Because as we've been walking through this together, God's been pressing a question into my spirit. And I'll remind you, if I'm going to wrestle with the hard stuff, y'all going to go through it with me. There's no doubt he can be trusted. There's no doubt that, that Psalm 145 is true. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises, and he's faithful in all he does. That's our God. He can be trusted. But can you feel the air go out of the room? That's why God, Matt, I can be trusted. But can you? Can you be trusted? That's the question I'm wrestling with. That's the question that God is forcing me to wrestle down right now. Yeah, he can be trusted. But can I? He can be trusted but can we? We know he is faithful, but we are called to be faithful too. Amen. He can be trusted, but can we? And can we be honest? Maybe next to the reality of suffering that impacts people's trust. So many people don't trust God because they can't trust people that claim to trust God. There are a lot of people, maybe even people sitting in this room, people watching online, people that you encounter every day, that the reason why they're struggling to trust God 
is because they've never been able to trust people who claim to trust God. And that's something that we have to wrestle down. That he can be trusted. But can we? He is faithful. But are we? And I know what 2 Timothy 2.13 says. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And it's almost like this verse has given us some kind of license just to do whatever we want and not think it matters. Look at me. God's grace and mercy are not license for us to continue into an old pattern of behavior that is destructive and sinful. Jesus died to free us and change us. Well, you know, I'm not faithful, but you know, he always is. That's not an excuse for us not to change, to be transformed by spirit, to walk in the fruit of his spirit, to become the people he's called us to be. God is faithful and the people that are, that follow him should be too. The faithful people are hard to find. Proverbs 20 verse six, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find faithful, no doubt he can be trusted, but can you, can I? I want to be found faithful. Look at me. I want God to trust me with what he's entrusted to me. Yeah. I want want to be found faithful. I want God to trust me with what he has entrusted to me. I look around at my life and I see what he's given me to steward I look at this church that he's blessed me with. I look at my kids and my wife and my friends. And I want to be able to be trusted with what I've been entrusted with. The gifts and the things he's put in me. I want to be found faithful. He has been so faithful and he has been so good. And my response should be to be faithful to him as well. To walk in this covenant relationship that he's given me in the power of his spirit and hold up my end and do what he's called me to do and be who he's called me to be. I know he is faithful. I know he can be trusted. But what about me? What about you? I want you to feel the weight of that responsibility today because I want us to move into this space where no longer we're the reason why somebody can't trust God. I think about 1 Corinthians Chapter four, verses one and two says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I want to be found faithful. Y'all, man, every Sunday I get up on this platform, I feel the weight of the responsibility I've been given to teach this book. And someday I'm going to have to stand before God and ain't none of y'all going to be there. And I'm going to have to look him in the face and give an account for what I did with the one life that he gave me. I'm going to have to answer to him for how I stewarded, not just the money that I've been given, but the kids, 
that were put in my house and the relationships that God brought in my sphere of circle and for every message I ever preached from that platform. And that's a weight. But let me tell you something. So will you. Because you might not get up here and preach, but you preach every day with the way that you live in front of every person that knows you're a Christian. He can be trusted. Can you? This is what I put in my journal this week. I want to be found faithful to him and trusted by them. I want to be found faithful to God and I want to be trusted by other people. Because my influence matters, my integrity matters, my character matters, because it impacts my ability to either lead people to Jesus or push them away from him. I want to be found faithful with what God has given to me. I want to be trusted with what I've been entrusted with. And I believe there's a principle in scripture that Jesus tried to speak into our spirit to remind us that God's looking for people he can trust. I've long believed that God does not give more to those who ask. He gives more to those he trusts. I think that's at the heart of what Jesus was trying to teach us in the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16. Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, I know there's a financial undertone of this, but come on, look at me. There's an overarching principle woven into this, that if God can't trust you with the little, or if people can't trust you with the little, how will you ever be expected to be given the responsibility of much? Some of us don't even realize, well, we wonder why people don't trust us because we've been dishonest in the little things. And then you want them to trust you with the big things? That's exactly what Jesus is saying, that, that people who follow Jesus should be the people who claim to know Christ. People who claim to live in relationship with Jesus should be the most trustworthy people on the planet. But we all know that ain't true. He can be trusted. Can you? Can we be trusted? Do we, we, we know, we realize that there's a lot of people in our culture, the reason why they don't trust God is because they can't trust people who claim to trust God. And now the rest of this message is going to be profound. First thing I want to tell you is this, is this is the honest truth. People can't trust people who aren't truthful. Isn't that crazy? I felt the Lord putting that on my heart. Lord, you really want me to say that? Yes. People can't trust you if you're not truthful. Maybe you might need to write that down. You might forget it. It's really. And all throughout scripture, God has told us from Genesis to Revelation that, that followers of Jesus should be people who are truthful so that they might be trusted, so that they might be used for God's glory in a way, in a way that helps draw people to himself. And there's three things 
that we have to wrestle down. And y'all know when I get most intense, I'm preaching to me more than I'm preaching to y'all. Say amen. There's three things that we're going to have to do. I'm going to go ahead and give them all to you in case you fall asleep and you miss the rest. Keep your word. Don't lie. And don't be a hypocrite. That's as simple as it can be, but it's just the reality. Number one, people, look at me, people who follow Jesus should be people who follow through. People who follow Jesus should be people who follow through. Woven all throughout the Bible is God reminding us as people of God that if you say it, you should do it. If you say you're going to do something, you should do it. But we've all said we were going to do it and didn't. But that's why God very clearly says, be careful, be cautious about what you commit to. Especially when you make a commitment to God. That God doesn't take that lightly. When we, when we tell people we should do something, yes, it matters. But when you tell God that you should do something, it matters. Go to Numbers. This is woven all throughout the Bible, y'all. Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Now, we, we do what we say we're going to do. We keep our commitments. When we tell somebody we're going to do it, we do it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Verse 5. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you to sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. That scripture says when we make a commitment to God, when we pro- make a promise, when we commit to doing something and we don't do it, that it's sinful. Anybody else feeling this? Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 through 23. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your mouth. It's woven all throughout the scriptures. They say we're supposed to be people that when we make a commitment to God, followers of Jesus follow through. We do what we said we were going to do. And I also understand, like, we can really shift this in the way. I just ain't going to commit to doing nothing. You don't get to do that either. This can be paralyzing. Right? And then get to that point where we get so consumed with it that we just avoid any responsibility. No, God's not saying avoid making commitments or avoid taking responsibility. He's saying know your limits so that when you commit to something, you're able to follow through because it matters. Look at the way Jesus put it. See, see, Jesus spoke into this issue. 
And he took it a step further in this, in this Sermon on the Mount when he's elevating everything and challenging people to, to do better, to be more aware of the intentions of their heart. He says in Matthew 5, starting with verse 33, again, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great God. See, they were doing what we used to do. I swear to God. Come on. I swear on somebody's grave. I'm going to do It's like, no, this is, this is not necessary. He says, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair, black or white. All you need to simply say is yes or no, and anything beyond this comes from the evil one. He's saying, when you say yes, mean yes. When you say no, mean no. Mean what you say and do what you say. Keep your commitments. And we're all guilty of not doing that. Some of us, you ever done this? I know you have. Somebody comes to you, you have this conversation, but yes, I would love to. I will be there. I'm going to do that. They walk away and you think, how am I going to get out of that? If everybody doesn't say amen, then the next point's going to hit you because we're talking about lying. <laughs> we have done that, right? Come on. Somebody comes up to you and, and says, we're going to go here and you want to do that? Yeah, I'd love to. That sounds great. They walk away. We are not going to that. <laughs> Come on. That's at the heart. Of, there was no intention at all. But maybe in order, because we feel the obligation to please people. Or we get so consumed with what other people just think about us. We say yes when we know in our heart we mean no. That matters to God. Because it impacts who can and can't be trusted. We've all done it. We've all made commitments and didn't keep them. And what Jesus is saying is the impact of that failure to follow through it has a kingdom impact. And you need to be more aware of what you say you're going to do. And Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's why, you know, we live in a world that we don't trust anybody. That's why every time... That's why they're, they're, most of the contracts that you signed are 17,000 pages. There was even, most of us have heard a generation before us talking about there was a time when if you shook a man's hand and you looked in his eye, that was all that you needed. Come on, anybody else have a grandfather that said that? Or somebody says, you know what? If you shake a man's hand and you look him in the eye, boy, you better do it. But now it's, we'll shake a man's hand, look him dead in the eye, knowing that we have no intentions of following through. God says, when you make a vow, it should matter. Now, even the most sacred vows, marriage, we walk away from just like that. We make a vow standing at an altar before people and God, and the moment it gets hard, we think we can just bounce. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but y'all know what I am saying. Matters. And if we're going to be people who can be trusted, we've got to be more aware. 
I've done it. And sometimes it's not a matter of intentions. Sometimes it's a matter of just not being thoughtful. <laughs> Full transparency. Y'all ready for your preaching? I preached this message at nine o'clock. After the gathering, a guy named Kelly Baker met me in the lobby. He said, you remember that time you stood me up at Compadre's? Dude was sitting in the booth in the restaurant, called me, said, hey, man, where are you at? I said, I'm in Greensboro. Where are you? He said, waiting on you at Compadre's. I've done it. Be careful. As a pastor, there's been times like, yeah, I'll do that. And I have to give you good intentions. And then you get so busy. And, and so, so we, we need to be more, look at me, we need to be more cautious in where we commit. And we need to be more thoughtful in what we do following the commitment so that we can try to fulfill it. And yes, there were going to be those times when, look at me, unforeseen circumstances happen. But this is, what, this is how you build trust. When you don't do it, own it. We have to own it. Don't make excuses. Just own it. Just own it. Keep your commitments. If you're going to be trusted with what's been entrusted with you, it starts by being very more intentional about when and how you say yes and when and how you say no. Another thing we have to just, if we're going to be trusted, can I just tell you something? Stop lying. It's funny what we'll lie about. Silly things, stupid things, things that make no sense. It's crazy how, how easily we as a culture can flippantly just say something that isn't true at all. I heard something the other day, and, you know, they say 60% of all statistics are not true. <laughs> Got to wait for y'all to get it. But I heard somebody say the other day, the average person lies at least four times a day. Now, some of y'all thinking, that's a good day for me. <laughs> but it's crazy how quickly, whether it be to inflate our ego or to mask our insecurity, the silly things that we'll lie about. I heard somebody say to somebody, well, that's partially true. What? A partial truth is a whole lie. Come on, am I crazy? Well, that's a half truth. A half truth is a whole lie. I mean, that's how comfortable we've gotten with it. Well, it's partially, no. Partial truth is a whole lie. And God has called us as followers of Jesus to rid ourselves of any deceit. And it's funny, the hierarchy we've created of sinful things, right? Where do you think lying falls in God's heart? Psalm 101, verse 7. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. That people who claim to trust God should be people who are trustworthy. First Peter chapter two, verse one, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all Deceit. 
hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Galatians chapter three, verses nine and 10. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That God's saying that we should be truth tellers, that we should speak truthfully to each other, that we should not have anything to do with deceitful things. And some of you are like, I'm not saying anything dishonest, but now you're keeping a secret that when it comes out, it's going to destroy a whole lot of things. There's some people in the room like, I haven't lied to my wife at all. No, but you're just hiding something from her that could bring everything down, and eventually it will. It's not just lying, it's deceit. You're being deceitful in the things that you're keeping, the things that you're hiding, the things that you're covering up. And this is what, a lie is a snowball rolling down a hill. Very rarely can you just tell one lie. One lie leads to a new lie that you got to tell to cover up the first lie. And then you got to tell a third lie to cover up the first two lies. The next thing you know, everything that comes out of your mouth is a lie. and You don't even know what's true and what isn't. Got real up in church today, y'all. Come on. Truthful. Tell the truth. Be honest. There's some people like today, you need to have some honest conversations. You need to clean out the closet. You need to search your heart because you want to be found faithful. You want to be trusted. So that means you're going to have to have some hard stuff. And God's also calling us as people who follow him to bring our belief and our behavior into alignment. We all know the frustration in our culture over the hypocrisy present in the church. John told us in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Because see, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Leave that verse on the screen for a second. Put it back up, Amanda. Whoever says, I know him. Whoever says, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm saved and I'm pursuing God. I'm walking with Christ. Whoever says that, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And we just heard the Bible say, God detests that. And the truth is not in that person. I want to be found faithful. And let me just go ahead and say, there's so much conviction in my spirit as I've prepared this message, thinking about all the times I've messed up, all the times I've let you down, all the times I've told people I was going to do something and didn't do it, whether it be because I never intended to, and I was just trying to please people, or whether it just slipped my mind and I didn't do the thoughtful things on the other side to fulfill what I said I was going to do. For all the times I've let deceit and secrets creep into my spirit, and the damage that it's done to my relationships and my joy. He can be trusted. Can you? What needs to change? So the answer to that question can be yes. What do you let the Holy Spirit do in you? 
You stand with me. I love what David prayed in Psalm 139. And this is what I'm going to ask us to pray right now. David said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know even what's going on in my mind. See if there's any offensive way in me. And if there is, lead me in the way everlasting. Would you just pray that? God, search me. Here's the amazing thing about our God. You could have been a liar your whole life, deceitful for all of your days. But when you meet Jesus, he wants to transform you. He'll accept the deceitful, broken person that you are and let you come to him when you repent and confess and draw near. Then he gives you a spirit and that spirit transforms you. And he starts to bring conviction in your, in your heart when you start saying those things that you used to say and doing those things that you used to do. And that conviction is for the purpose of transformation so that we can become new. And I know it's hard to get honest about these things, but I learned a long time ago that concealment is much more dangerous than confession. So we're going to worship for just a minute. And I'm going to ask you just to pray that prayer. God, search me. Search my heart. Search those patterns in my life. Give me the courage to have hard conversations, to ask forgiveness, to be more thoughtful as I move forward, to not say yes to things that I never intend on doing, and to have the thoughtfulness to follow through on the other side when I say yes so that I can keep the commitments. And maybe it's time to do what? I've been doing and still need to do is go to those people and say, hey, I'm sorry I let you down. I'm sorry I told you I would do that, then I didn't. And ask God to even maybe reveal some of those things in your heart so there can be restoration and healing. God, I pray that right now you would just fall among us, that you would speak to hearts and that we would just take some time and some space to let you speak into our hearts challenge us, convict us, and change us in Jesus' name.